since this is an ASI convention, I thought we should open our Sabbath school lesson with a question about ASI. And it's really a bit of a review for the lesson. But thinking back on Bible characters, what Bible character would be the spiritual father of ASI? I'd like to suggest Paul. Paul, the author of the two epistles that we're studying this quarter. Paul earned his living and shared Christ in the marketplace. His job was manufacturing mobile homes. And I understand that he manufactured high-end mobile homes. When God wanted to evangelize the Roman world, he used somebody who qualified as a member of ASI to do it. If you look at most of the heroes of the Bible, they qualified for ASI membership. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were cattle breeders. Joseph was a government employee. Uniformly, they shared Christ in their marketplace. In last week's lesson we read in 1 Thessalonians 2, and if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians. We will be looking at some verses there. But in 1 Thessalonians 2.9, Paul said, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. There he was talking about his employment. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Paul worked and Paul preached. Paul didn't work his evangelism around his work. He worked his work around his evangelism. He, his work didn't compete with his evangelism. His work enhanced his evangelism. It was part of his evangelism. A couple weeks ago we looked at 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 and 8. And if you have your Bibles, you can see it. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 through 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So there we see that AI, ASI membership is an example to imitate. The father of modern missions, William Carey, had a, the same all-consuming passion for souls, for presenting Christ in his marketplace. And you are well familiar with that response that he gave to his neighbor who was suggesting that perhaps he should get a little bit more attention to his business of fixing shoes than to his preaching. But he replied, my real business is to preach the gospel and win lost souls. I cobble shoes to pay expenses. We don't have to guess what would happen if we all took seriously our ASI motto of presenting Christ to the marketplace. Volume 6, page 280. 
Thousands might today be rejoicing in the message if those who claim to love God and keep his commandments would work as Christ worked. You think of it. William Miller, James White, Joseph Bates, Loughborough, Andrews, all had occupations that supported their ministry at one time. And I believe that in the future, ASI members like Elisha will be called from the plow to preach the gospel even more in more of their time. Well, for our lesson, we have covered in the past few weeks, we've covered chapter 1 of Thessalonians, the first, chap the first half of chapter 2. This week, we've covered the second half of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. But the very first verse of 1 Thessalonians 1 tells us insight on how to win souls. Paul's given name was not Paul, but what? Saul. Silas's given name was Silas. But when they were in Greece, they were known as Paul, Salvanius, Timotheus. We see that he adapted his approach to disturb the Greek customs as little as possible. Throughout the first chapter, just quick review, we see other approaches that help us in presenting Christ in our marketplace. There was courtesy, love, prayer for souls. Paul was to these converts their spiritual father. They were his spiritual children. Who do you look like? Who do we look like? Our parents. And spiritual children look like spiritual parents. In chapters 1 and 2, we see that Paul's children bore his likeness. Like him, they received the word and they spread the word. And that brings us to the first verse of our lesson this morning, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I'm reading it from the, King the New King James. Uh, you'll read from whatever translation you have. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For a moment, let's look at that phrase, which also effectively works in you who believe. It is the word that effectively works, and it changes people. Now, my medical specialty is dermatology. I tell my friends that I'm an externist. When Walter came to my office, it was actually, it was uh, the 31st of August one year ago. And I saw some suspicious places. And after biopsying, and I do have permission to tell this story, so I'm not violating HIPAA. Um, 
I found several suspicious places and the biopsies came back positive. And we knew we needed to do some surgeries to remove these cancers. Walter was not a particularly religious man, but when I asked if he would like us to pray, he uh, nodded, he would, and somehow prayer touched that man's heart. Now, most skin cancer is done under local anesthesia, and so as I was doing the surgery to take their mind off of what I'm doing, um, we might chat about things, and I really don't know exactly what we chatted about it, except it must have been something about current events and Bible prophecy. Two weeks later, he came back for suture removal, and he asked the nurse as she took the stitches out if he could talk to me. And usually when they want me to see them, it's because they want me to look at their wound and make sure it's healing fine. And so I quickly popped my head in, looked at the wound, and it looked great, healing nice, perfect. And, and so I reassured him, and I went to leave the room. And he said, well, that's not really why I wanted you to come in. He says, I have a question. Could, could I ask you a question? So um, he said, can you tell me the chapter in the Bible that talks about the prophecies? So he said, I went home after the surgery, and he says, I, I was raised a Catholic. I don't know anything about the Bible. But he says, my wife... Uh, she studies the Bible all the time, and I knew she would know because I wanted to read that chapter. But she didn't know what chapter in the Bible talks about prophecy. So I took out my prescription pad, and I wrote down Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 9. I spared him Daniel 11 and 12. Uh, <laughs> Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, and all of the book of Revelation. And I smiled and I said, you study those. And the next week he came back without an appointment. And he had four pages of notes. And uh, he, said, he said, I don't understand this. My wife doesn't understand this. Can you explain these to me? And we set up a, a time to get together the next evening. And that man began to study the Bible for the first time in his life. Within three weeks of our studies, his wife bought him a Bible. And he began to carry it to work. He studied it two hours a day. He was like a child in a candy store. He couldn't get enough of it. He wondered that he had not been interested in the Bible before. And Jesus became the focus of his life. Although he and his wife loved the studies, they took pains to assure my wife and I that they were never going to join our church. And we assured them that our goal was for them to meet Jesus Christ. But we know where Jesus leads people. 
We studied baptism. And they uh, told us, Walter told me, he says, you know, he says, I can see the Bible teaches baptism. And I really would like to be baptized at your church, but I don't want to be a member of your church. And I agreed it would be wonderful for him to be baptized at our church. One day, and I don't know how he found this out, because we didn't tell him, he found out that we have the advantages of my wife and I of eating a plant-based diet and all those health advantages that go along with it. But he asked me if that was true, and, and I assured him that uh, it was. And... I was guilty as charged. Um, and he said, well, I want you to know I'm never going to eat like that. We hadn't studied with him about the body temple, but I know that the Bible changes lives. It effectively changes. So we just kept studying the Bible, and it kept effectively working in his life. And we've also been studying with a colleague of mine, an oncologist in the area, and she and her husband rented the Playhouse Theater of our city to show Forks Over Knives. And they advertised it. And you should have seen when 200 people packed in that little theater playhouse to see Forks Over Knives and Walter at the end stand up, interviewed by the oncologist, to share that the last month since he had adopted a careful diet, he had lost 30-some pounds, his aches and pains had gone away, and he was having no new skin cancers. Two months before, he said, I will never eat like that. Two months later, he's urging others for the advantages. That's what the Bible effectively does. In May, he told me that for the first time in his life, his entire life, he was almost late to work. He only got there five minutes early because he had gotten so absorbed and a study of the Bible that he had lost track of the time. And the next day, he went to his boss. He's uh, in his late 60s. He'd been retired twice. And he went to his boss, and he said, you know, I am not going to... He's a man... He was a manager. He says, I'm giving you my notice. I need more time to study the Bible. And he stopped his job. Now he went to his class reunion telling everybody about the Bible. They couldn't believe it. This was the class atheist. Um, changed by the word. When our Sabbath school lesson started, the Thessalonians, I told him that we were going to be studying through the Thessalonians, and he might enjoy it, he and his wife. Um, and so he came to our church just for the Sabbath school lesson, not for church. And um, every week he was there studying through 
the class. In fact, for some, he was a better student than some of the members. But a week ago, they told us, you know, we've been sort of like getting into uh, water when you're going swimming, just one foot at a time. Last Sabbath, after we left Sabbath school, Walter said to me, you know, why don't we stay for church? And she said, well, I was thinking the same thing. Why didn't you say something sooner? And the next Sabbath, which was last Sabbath, for the very first time, these dear, this dear couple were sitting with me in our church in Blue Ridge, Georgia. The scripture that we read says the Bible which effectively changes their lives. That's the result of the Word of God. Verse 14 explains they begin to suffer for truth's sake. They had been changed and they begin to suffer. They could identify with the other Christians in Israel. They went through the same experiences as Christians there in Judea, rejected by their fellow friends, driven for their home, rejected by their friends and neighbors. I suppose all of us have at one time or another heard a computer voice. Before we had Remnant Publishing's excellent uh, testimonies, uh, reading, my son would try to put the testimonies on com using a computer voice so he could listen to it, and we'd try to listen to it, but it was pretty, pretty painful. You may not have noticed it, but in the last few months, at least on the Mac side, the voice has improved dramatically, but I don't think even the best computer voice could properly read verse 16. I'm not even going to try. With tears, Paul sorrowfully, 15 and 16, speaks of the strange act of God and his wrath against his covenant people. We don't have time to talk about the wrath of God. It's not politically correct to talk about the wrath of God. But I'd like to make just two quick points because it's in the Sabbath school. Uh, the texts are in the Sabbath school lesson. Number one, the Bible does use the phrase, the wrath of God. It doesn't shy away from it. The wrath of God is real. So point number one is God uses the expression, the wrath of God. But point number two is Satan misuses the expression, wrath of God. It was Satan who used the expression, wrath of God, when he was talking and trying to drive Saul, King Saul, to despair. And he said he didn't. King Saul's great sin was he wasn't, didn't quite reveal the wrath of God enough. So these two points, God uses it, Satan misuses it. The Bible tells of the wrath of God to give hope to the oppressed. Satan uses the wrath of God to bring despair to the discouraged. 
But we move past Sunday's lesson to Monday, and there are two things that separate us from our loved ones. Paul deals with both of these separations in 1 Thessalonians. Distance and death. Distance separates us from loved ones. Death separates us from loved ones. In Monday's passage, Paul discusses the separation of distance. My wife grew up in the mission field. And this is back before FaceTime and texting. And they looked forward to a weekly letter that they could exchange between parents and their children. But Paul didn't even have weekly letters from his spiritual children. And so Tuesday's lessons takes us to his, well, uh, Mondays, like any parent, his greatest joy was to be with them twice. He made arrangements to, to travel back to Thessalonica each time hindered by Satan. But in Monday's passage, we see this enforced separation increasing his desire for the second coming, where there's no separation either by distance or by death. And then Tuesday's lesson takes us to his workaround for the separation. I suppose we could call it first century Facebooking, FaceTiming. First Thessalonians 3.1, if you have your Bibles, look at it with me. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Paul, you see, is a type of Christ. He wanted again and again to return to his people, but he couldn't. Satan hindered him. And so he sent representatives and Christ has sent us ministers in his stead to establish us and encourage us in our faith. I thank God for our minister. Um, a real blessing. Verse 5, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means, the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. Those words, in vain, haunt me. Paul, you see, had left the comfort of his Judean home. In Judea, he was popular, he was wealthy. He was respected. He was at the highest level that you could possibly get in Jewish society. But he gave it all up. And with a few Christians, he went and traveled the world to share the gospel like ASI members on his own dime. He was rejected by most, but those who accepted his message were more dear to him than his own life. Yet he knew how many of those who accepted today might yet 
reject Jesus tomorrow. And his labor, even for them, would be in vain. How many will surrender, growing weary of the constant battle? Labor in vain. Paul was just a poor and incomplete representation of Jesus Christ. Picture Christ in heaven, surrounded by his adoring angels. He has already come, but he's left his beloved in their earth, earth home. He would like to come back, but again and yet again, Satan has hindered it. He uh, bids the angels leave the comfort and joy of his presence and bring a message to his people. Then bring him back word of how we are doing. Imagine the eagerness of the angels to go on this mission. Imagine the eagerness of the waiting angels to hear the message of their report. Christ Object Lessons 318. In heaven, it is said by the ministering angels, these are the ones that ministered us, the ministry which we have been commissioned to perform, we have done. We pressed back the army of evil angels. We sent brightness and light into the souls of men, quickening their memory of the love of God expressed in Jesus. We attracted their eyes to the cross of Christ. Their hearts were deeply moved by a sense of the sin that crucified the Son of God. They were convicted. The angels are active in all this. You can just see them giving their testimony, sharing what has happened. They're as excited to tell their stories as, I'm excited to share mine, and you're excited to share yours. They continue, they saw the steps to be taken in conversion. They felt the power of the gospel. Their hearts were made tender as they beheld the sweetness and love of God. They beheld the beauty of the character of Christ. Tears may kindle in the eyes of listening angels, but the angel continues, but with the many it was all in vain. They would not surrender their own habits and character. They would not put off the garments of earth in order to be clothed with the robe of heaven. Their hearts were given to covetousness. They loved the associations of the world more than they loved their God. What testimony are the angels bringing back about their visit with us today? Thank you very much. Good morning. Would you like to stand with me for a closing prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we could be here together as your people. Lord, we thank you for the people that are represented here, for those who um, go far away from their homes and serve you, and for those that stay home and support them. We thank you so much for the privilege to be able to work with you and to pray for those around the world to be an encouragement and a help. Lord, I pray that you'll bless your people, that you will give them courage and strength for the challenges that they have in their lives, for the things they have to face. I pray that you'll bless each one here with peace and joy and that they may learn to love you and serve you in a way that um, honors you and that blesses all those around them.
Dear Father, please bless those who are here. Um, may they gain a blessing, be a blessing, and take their blessings home with them to their home field. In Jesus' name we pray. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.